Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, it has been a little bit over a week or so since I interviewed Michael Johns, the former speechwriter for George H.W. Bush, and had an hour with him. So glad uh, that he was able to join me to talk about the shakeups. And of course, since that happened, more shakeups. John Kelly, now chief of staff, Scaramucci out. And uh, hey, leaks are getting plugged up, and it sounds like things are getting in the right direction here. But there's more news to cover, of course, and that's why I'm back. Hi, I'm Alexander Garrett, and welcome to another edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. It's been a, a rainy day in New York. You know, usually beginning of August, mid-August, you want hot days. Today was 73 and really, really rainy, but here we are nonetheless, and uh, coming up, going to have Raymond Keating. He's with the Small Business and Entrepreneurial Council, and a columnist for Real Clear Markets. Yeah, Mayor de Blasio wants to raise taxes on 32,000 New Yorkers just to help the MT move along. Is that the right decision? We talk with economist Raymond Keating in uh, just a bit. But amongst all the stuff going on, the leaks investigation, what this grand jury means for Robert Mueller, there's an interesting story that you may not know. Did you know that someone was denied a pro-Trump cake, birthday cake? Did you know about that? Oh, maybe you didn't because, oh, only uh, when when a Christian who wants to stay with his beliefs denies someone who is gay or lesbian, when they are denying that uh, cake request, does that get publicized? Not when, well, I don't know, a nine-year-old, Dylan Harbin from California, who of course was um, made famous for a letter he sent to President Trump by Sarah Huckabee a little while ago, a couple weeks ago. Well, he wanted a pro-Trump cake for his birthday. And you know what the baker said to him? No. (laughs) Isn't that something? But that doesn't get any coverage at all. That does not get any coverage like it should. Because if there's going to be outcry about one thing, there should be outcry about another. And... For many, these leak investigations, the Russia probe, that's all important. But when it comes down to the people and the philosophies of people that get highlighted and don't get highlighted, the discrepancy is major. 
So to deny a nine-year-old a pro-Trump cake is pretty dastardly. It is a violation of free speech. And I hope that cake, although his mom made it, I hope Dylan does eventually get, for his 10th birthday, a baker to make his pro-Donald Trump birthday cake. With all that being said, I'm going to jump now to the interview with one Raymond Keedy, because Mayor de Blasio, huh, Mayor de Blasio, does he want to tax those who had a direct line to him? We'll find out next. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. We need a millionaire's tax so that New Yorkers who typically travel in first class pay their fair share so the rest of us can get around. Is that the right idea, though? Is it right to give a millionaire's tax for uh, 32,000 New Yorkers? My next guest might disagree with that. I'm talking with Raymond Keating. He's a chief economist at the Small Business and Entrepreneurial Council and a columnist with Real Clear Markets. How are you today, Ray? Good. How are you, Alex? I'm good. So talk about this. Tell me what you're, you're thinking uh, when you hear him say, yeah, we want Albany to do this millionaire's tax. Yeah, this is the, you know, the politics of class warfare. We hear this a lot, of course. Um, you know, tax those big, fat, rich guys, and, and uh, everything will be great for everybody else. But unfortunately, economics tells us that it works quite differently. Um, you know, we hear that estimates that that'll affect 32,000 New Yorkers, and people might say, well, what's the big deal about that? You know, there's seven or eight million people in the city. But the key to understand here is that, number one, uh, these upper-income individuals uh, tend to be entrepreneurs and investors. So these are the people that create jobs and gr- help grow the city's economy. They're, they're critical to that, to that growth. So why would we want to suck resources away from them uh, and hand it over to politicians so they can spend more money in New York City? It's not like they haven't been spending enough, right? <laughs> or right. they seem to believe that they haven't been spending enough. So. That's number one. So, sucking, you know, draining resources out of the private sector to hand over to government is never a good idea. And then, of course, we're talking about transit issues and so on. So, what's happened here is that, you know, the MTA, state and local government, you know, the whole lot of them have failed miserably to do their jobs. So, what do we see when government fails? Well, they turn around and they ask for more money. So, we want to reward their failure. Um, you know, this is a, a fundamental problem with with government uh, in and of itself. So the last thing that New York City needs, quite frankly, are higher taxes. When you look at how high New York State's taxes are, and then you add on top of that everything that the city imposes, and it just doesn't make any sense. And sooner or later, uh, you know, elected officials in this state and in New York City are going to have to recognize the economic realities that that uh, high taxes and, and more government aren't the answer. Now, I'm sure you, you didn't, I'm not sure if you knew that he was going to make this announcement today, but you did write a bit our big article for Real Clear Markets about New York State's tax reform. And I think my favorite line of it was, uh, oh yeah, Capitol Hill should not listen to New York State when trying to push tax reform through. Tell us why. Yeah, New York, uh, the elected officials in, at the state level like to pat themselves on the back. They said, oh, look, we did this great corporate tax reform in, in 2014. And they'll say that the, the state rate was cut, corporate income tax rate was cut from 7.1% to 6.5%. Isn't that great? And, you know, the state has run commercials about taxes being lower in New York and so on. And if you're just looking at this from the outside, you might say, wow, you know, as I say in the piece, New York's finally getting its act together. 
but in reality, it's it, you know, again, reality is quite different uh, in New York. And if you look at the that full reform package, uh, they fail to mention that there's the Metropolitan Transportation Business Tax Surcharge, the MTA Business Tax Surcharge, on businesses uh, downstate, which is, you know, quite frankly, the majority of businesses in New York. And uh, we've had this this temporary surcharge for a long time. They keep renewing it. So in the 2014 reform, they made it permanent. They increased it. And by the way, going forward, they empowered the tax commissioner, the state's tax commissioner, to set the surcharge rate based on what they deem, you know, that the MTA needs in terms of dollars. So now we've had an increase in this surcharge uh, in in 2017 and in 20, I mean 2016 and 2017, uh, without any input from legislators, so they've just kind of put it on automatic pilot. So guess what? When you add the surcharge in, bottom line is the the corporate tax rate today is higher than it was before 20, the 2014 reform. So this is tax reform in New York. They actually push tax rates higher. Well, of course, that's the Democratic way, it seems like. We're not really going to cut your taxes. We're just going to raise taxes, especially with de Blasio today saying, you know, we want Albany to raise taxes on our hardworking New Yorkers. Uh, but Joe Loda is in charge of the MTA now, but he seems very weak on standing ground against him. Am I right in that uh, perception? Yeah, well, the MTA, you know, listen, the, the MTA is not, you know, that's a whole other can of worms. I, you know, I haven't, I, as I, I'm, I, I don't know if you know, I, I wrote a column for Newsday for 11, 12 years and Long Island Business News for seven or eight years. So I used to do a lot of work on New York. Um, I don't do as much as I used to, but I parachute in <laughs> to uh, to do pieces like this and see what's going on. And whenever I wrote about the MTA, you know, it was known for, uh, you know, extravagant spending. Uh, however, you want to break it up in terms of per rider costs being higher than other mass transit around the country and, quite frankly, around the world. So, um, and when you look at the, some of the numbers in terms of how the, the MTA budget breaks out, they get massive subsidies. They have, you know, uh, dedicated taxes like this MTA surcharge, uh, and they obviously get state subsidies and city subsidies and so on and so on. So the MTA is, is it's a kind of a, a classic, you know, public authority in New York that doesn't work right. Um, and unfortunately, nobody's serious about getting, they've never been serious about reforming this and getting it under control. Um, and we're just, you know, listen to the debate now. The debate is about, you know, oh, the state's going to come up with more money. You know, the city better come up with more money. And then you have de Blasio just talking about, well, we're going to raise taxes to, to dole out more money. So it, it's unfortunately the same old story in New York. Um, and we need, we, you know, the, the problem is where are we hearing something different in New York State, quite frankly? And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the the de Blasio proposed income tax hike because the city can't do this on its own. It has to go to Albany for approval. So hopefully, you know, Republicans, for example, in the state Senate will stand up and say, no, this isn't what we need in any way, shape or form. Because, you know, quite frankly, it's not just when you if you raise taxes in New York City, the impact that the city has on other counties, surrounding counties and so on, um, the negative isn't confined to the city itself. It, it certainly spreads out uh, far and wide. Now, uh, unfortunately, I don't think this will affect the mayoral race at all. I, I mean, it seems like de Blasio's on track to win it. But could all this tax reform and, and if things go the way the governor wants it to and increasing tax rates, uh, could this backfire? Could any of this backfire on the governor next year? 
Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you know, New York is certainly the bluest of states, um, and, and a lot of people find it hard to believe that, you know, uh, a Democrat wouldn't win. Uh, I, I find that hard to believe, but listen, it's happened in the past, right? We did have, uh, for example, Governor Pataki, when he beat Mario Cuomo, he ran on a, on a tax cut platform, um, and, and people voted for him uh, based largely on that. So, you know, there are examples in blue states where, you know, they, they turn to a Republican governor. Um, so who knows? And, but it, you know what? It, it matters what very much what any Republican candidate puts forward. Uh, you know, are they going to put forward, is that person going to put forward something that's, you know, that includes features tax relief and pro-growth policies? Or is it going to be, you know, Me Too Democrat stuff? So. And, you know, you, find, you you mentioned, oh, some blue states turn red. Well, some governors turn red, as we saw last week with West Virginia. So maybe the shift is starting uh, under President Trump, especially. And maybe that hits New York. Who knows? Well, you know, well, West Virginia didn't surprise me because West Virginia is a coal state. It's a pretty conservative state. and It's been trending Republican. New York, I have to say, would still would still surprise me. But listen, I, I would welcome a surprise, quite frankly. I think we all would. I mean, you just see... It, Policy aside, just his rhetoric up in Albany has been disastrous. He doesn't want Republicans here, and why? Uh, why should someone vote for somebody who doesn't want to welcome everybody? In, in my view, anyway. Well, that's true, and, and you know what? Listen, it, it's not you know necessarily Republican or Democrat thing. You know, I you know I, I do a lot of work on on state issues, and uh, and I can pick out, I can give you some examples of of state governors that were Democrats that actually turned around and and did you know, bold tax relief. Um, so, you know, Governor Richardson many years ago in, in New Mexico, um, quite frankly, put forth one of the the most pro-growth tax reform, tax relief packages that, that have come along in the last 20 or 30 years. So, you know, th- there's no reason why Democrats have to, uh, you know, align themselves with these types of policies. The whole, the point is, Let's make changes, whether it's done by a Democrat or Republican, that's actually going to benefit the state and turn it in a new direction where, guess what, people aren't looking to leave here. They actually are looking to come here. I mean, I, you know, I point out over and over again, New York's top export is people. We do a really good job at sending people elsewhere. Really? Right uh, across the border to Pennsylvania? <laughs> oh, Pennsylvania. And you know what? The rest of the country at this point, right? I mean, we're very good at sending them to Florida and Texas and all sorts of places like that. So... Um, North Carolina, you know, again, North Carolina is a wonderful example of that was led by Republicans, but a wonderful example of tax reform and tax relief that made the state very competitive and very appealing from a tax standpoint. So there are plenty of examples that state officials in New York and city officials, quite frankly, in New York City could look at uh, and and follow and, and make the state uh, more affordable and more attractive for Again, entrepreneurship, investment, and more economic growth. And, you know, while I have you, Raymond, uh, we're talking with Raymond Keating here on Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett. I am Alexander Garrett talking with Raymond Keating. He's with the Small Business Entrepreneurial Council, and he's a columnist at Real Clear Markets. But you are focusing more on the national scene. So another guy in New York that's sort of against tax reform seems to be Senator Schumer. And, and can the Senate, can Congress get something done to, to at least make that happen for the president? Well, I think I think Congress is going to get it done. Listen, it, tax reform, you know, we, we it happened back in the 1980s. Um, it was not an easy process. It was declared dead over and over again back then. So it's uh, it's not surprising, quite frankly, to me that it's it's uh, you know that we're having these political issues. 
politics politics, but I think in the end uh, we are going to see some positive movement on the tax reform front. I, I do think it's going to happen. Now, as to when, when it happens, uh, I haven't been very good at, at nailing that down, to say the least. But when you look at um, – you know the current makeup of of you know a Republican White House and and controlling obviously the House and the Senate. I think it will happen, um, and hopefully, the sooner the better. Because you, you know small businesses, for example, consumers in general, they're expecting to see some substantive changes in Washington. Um, we saw a big big jump in in small business confidence, consumer confidence after the November election. So now we just need these folks to carry through and make it happen. All right, and uh, Raymond, where can they find you? Where can you find where can they find your articles uh, that you post? I believe either daily or weekly. Where can we find you? Well, obviously, go to sbecouncil.org. We do all sorts of stuff on on policy issues, state level, national level. So head over there, and then also, as you mentioned, I write uh, a regular column at realclearmarkets.com. Uh, all right, Raymond, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we'll definitely have you back. I appreciate it, Alex. Take care. Take care. Why am I playing uh, Hayden's number 51? This is Symphony Number no. 51 from Joseph Hayden, who was an Austrian composer, uh, born in 1732, died in 1809. But why am I playing this classical music tonight? Well, because one of conservative radio's leading, leading talk show hosts is not being well received in Santa Monica at the Santa Monica Symphony. Dennis Prager, who is, of course, with Salem Media a Group and uh, a national host, who does have some conservative views, also has some other features, you know, like Happiness Friday, basically relationship hours and whatnot, man hour, women hour, Marin and women hour. So he goes into deeper than just politics. But that doesn't stop people from being outraged that a conservative talk show host would be allowed to conduct at the Santa Monica Symphony on August 16th. Now, of course, Dennis Prager will be there. And whether you go or not in Santa Monica, that's up to you. But it it's amazing how, once again, the tolerant left is proving to be not so tolerant. A man who's actually routinely conducted, if you read his piece in the National Review, he talked about how uh, Dennis Prager talked about how he's been conducting for years um, in Southern California. He has conducted the Brentwood, the Glendale, the West L.A. Symphony Orchestras, Pasadena's Lyric Opera, and the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, he is more than just a conservative talk show host. He's a person who loves music, who loves classical music, and who has been doing this before. So it's no surprise, to be honest with you, that Guido Lamel, who is the leader of the uh, Santa Monica Symphony Orchestra, would invite him to be part of the orchestra. A big name. Get some people out there to, you know, support the, uh, the event. But no, that's not, that's not okay with the intolerant left. And so it's come down to this. You can't even conduct. You can't even do what you like to do off the radio if you are a conservative and a high-profile conservative. And as he wrote in his National Review piece, uh, Dennis Prigger, those who do go will give attendees a chance to defeat the illiberal left. But it's amazing 
that you really cannot do anything as a high-profile conservative in your own life. That involves maybe something liberal. Because you'll be shot down. And you will be judged. And you will not be given a chance to do what you love. Frequently, he does this. At different orchestras all over California. So I'm glad that he's sticking with his decision to continue on August 16th to be there. Controversy and all. Because it's his right to be there. Just like it's nine-year-old Dylan Harbin's right to get a pro-Trump cake. Just like it's the right of someone who doesn't agree with values to not have to bake a cake. But that's, that's too logical for the left. And it's a shame, and it, it, stories like this, it's no wonder that West, uh, West Virginia's governor went from Democratic to Republican. Hey, you know, there's some more crazy stuff going on in California, and it has to do with this company. Get your coffee from the folks that know coffee inside and out. For over 60 years, we've kept America running with our dedication to serving the freshest cup of coffee. Dunkin' Donuts. America runs on Dunkin'. And uh, sure it does. Unless you're the NYPD, then you're boycotting it because two of your own officers here in Brooklyn, actually, were told, yeah, we're not going to serve you cops here. I mean, it's getting pretty heated between Dunkin' Donuts and and New York City, uh, the NYPD. But the first story that caught my eye about Dunkin' Donuts was this. They're test driving something of a name change. They're test driving a name change. They want to go from Dunkin' Donuts to Dunkin'. Uh, the change comes at the request of the coffee chain's parent company, Dunkin' Brands, which hopes to test the new name in a few other locations. Right now, in Pasadena, California, it's called Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, America runs on Duncan, but I don't think people say, oh, let's go to Duncan. Maybe they do. Maybe it's the modernized thing now, but it's always going to be Duncan Donuts. And yeah, they want to be known for its coffee, but I thought the title itself was making coffee pretty evident because you're dunking the donuts in the coffee, are you not? And so... It's very curious why they want to do this branding. Uh, it's going to maybe change its name next, late next year uh, when it starts redesigning its floor, its stores. But what, what, what do you think? Should it be called Dunkin', just Dunkin'? Or should it be called Dunkin' Donuts the way we all grew up with it being? Because Dunkin' just sounds too modern and too lazy. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe just laziness. California... Likes to call out conservatives and likes to be a bit lazy. But I digress. There's bigger issues on the hands of Dunkin' Donuts. Have you noticed in NYPD, uh, in the city, that there's a boycott going on? Oh, yeah. Two officers went into the Dunkin' Donuts on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, right across the street from the Barclays Center, actually. And uh, the server said, yeah, I don't serve cops. Well... I'm sorry, but cops are people too. I'm sorry, but they're protecting you every day. And wouldn't you call on them to protect you? I'm sorry, but I'm glad that Dunkin' Donuts is being boycotted right now by the NYPD for 
this mistreatment of our two people in blue. In fact, it's helped this New York City Police Foundation, which got about $500 from Melinda Cox Hall from Tennessee. It also got a few dollars uh, from... uh, Well, it also led to $2,000 being sent to the foundation of being outraged by this Dunkin' Donuts fiasco. So... Good for you, Melinda Cox Hall. And good for the NYPD for standing with their own. Because we know, we know a mayor that wants to tax everybody and a mayor. And by the way, the people he's taxing are the exact people who had a direct line with him. A bunch of donors, I'm sure. Because donors, those are the 99% or 1% rather. Those are not run-of-the-mill guys, you know, middle class people if you're donating you probably like that to have a direct line with the mayor you're probably donating a lot of money so i'm glad the nypd is banding together over this and i hope that dungan donuts can come to their senses and discipline this worker and discipline any worker who doesn't want to serve those who help serve protect us on a daily basis and then the other story for dunkin donuts is that they have a lawsuit going on. Apparently, at a December 10th Dunkin' Donuts, one Bartos Grabowski uh, bought the donut, uh, it was a blueberry donut, on December 10th in South Wabash Avenue, uh, 1231. Last month, he filed an, a class action lawsuit representing more than 100 people in Illinois who claim they, too, bought products such as donuts, munchkins, and crumb cakes with belief that these products were made with actual berries, not imitation blueberries. So, right now, Dunkin' Donuts has a lot of saving face to do with the NYPD, with these 100 people who are suing Dunkin' Donuts for giving them fake Blueberries and fake berries. So I wonder how long, how long people will actually be in donuts. America runs on Duncan. Running on Duncan. Maybe not too long if stories like this continue to develop. Hey, that's about it from me tonight. Uh, thanks again to Raymond Keaty from the Small Business and Entrepreneurial. Council, thanks to him for joining me to talk about tax reform, talk about Mayor de Blasio's insane plan to tax the rich to 32,000 people. That's all, you know. But thanks, thanks to Raymond for coming on, and thanks to you for listening to this week's edition of Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett.